Um, so today we're talking about negotiating the deal, and there, I'm not going to play this entire video, but the first one is only three minutes long, and is going to lead into our discussion about negotiation. So let me see if I can pull this up. Has anybody been watching these videos, these courses on Leading RE? Okay. They, they've upgraded them, and this is a... Woo, he covered a lot of stuff, <laughs> which is why I didn't want to play the rest of it because there's a, another video, and I thought it'd be fun to talk for a minute about some of the things Jared covered. Because after I watched uh, that video and completed the course, um, it reminded me of a couple things that I wanted to share with y'all. Let's see if we can get this up. Okay. So the, the four characteristics he mentioned were be patient, be confident, be empathetic, and be likable. Those are all pretty basic, right? One and two are straightforward. I tell my children to be patient. The word of the week, we're on like the eighth week, and we're still on that word. It's called be patient. So we haven't moved to be confident yet. But patience, being patient is hard. I mean, it really is. But when I, I finished this course, I looked up empathy because I thought it meant something different. And in Webster's Dictionary, empathy is the action of understanding, being aware of, being sensitive to, and vicariously experiencing the feelings, thoughts, and experience of another of either the past or the present without having the feelings, thoughts, and experience fully communicated in an objectively explicit manner. It's also the capacity for this. So either what, it's the action of all that, or at the basic, at least the capacity to understand all this. You know, being empathetic is really important. And then likable. You just have to be one of these three people to be likable. It's very easy to do. And I'll let you decide who you uh, gravitate towards. So when, what I want you all to kind of learn today is when should you assess your client's needs? Because that's so much part of the negotiation. So when is the best time to assess a buyer's needs? As soon as possible. For the, the first interaction with them. First face-to-face -face meeting. Right? Okay. W when is the best time to assess a seller's needs? So either your first meeting in their house. You're, you're going on the listing appointment. You don't know if you're going to get it. You, want, you need to assess their needs to see if you can actually help them. And so how do you assess a buyer's needs without saying, I'm really kind of busy. It'd be great if you just tell me what you need so I can start looking up property for you. Not what you, I really don't care what you want because you're not going to get it. <laughs> this is a, this, I can only get you what you need. I don't know if you'll look through these, but the buyer's questionnaire. You can't just flat out ask 
address someone's wants and needs. You've got to come up with a series of questions or process because they may not even know what they want and need, right? And if it's two of them or three of them or eight of them, they may not have even discussed um, what their wants and needs are. And who is married, dating, or living with someone currently? Okay. All right. We don't always tell the other person in the room what we want and need. They have to guess, right? They're men are mind readers. We read women's minds all day long. So you don't have to tell us what you want and need. Yeah. So, I mean, but seriously, when you're meeting with clients, it's hard because they, they don't know how to express that. This is a big decision. So in these buyer's questionnaires, there's actually, we created this a long time ago, but, I mean, just rating the importance of the feature. Ask them to rate the importance. It's not saying, how many fireplaces do you want? How many fireplaces do you need? It says, please rate the importance of each feature you would like in a home. Then, what other features are important? Tell me about your lifestyle. What do you see yourself doing in a new home? Because then when you assess their wants and needs it's going to make it a lot easier during the negotiation process to bring reality into the conversation to let them know, like, yeah, that is something you want, but your ranked location and view is a one out of five. Are you sure you really need a great location and view? Whatever's on their sheet. Kidding, you don't just pull this out and throw it at them. But it helps you have that conversation because you have to assess it. And same thing with the client listing worksheet. There are other examples of this, but what does a seller need and want more than anything else? Ding, ding, ding. Steve wins the prize. Communication. Because if you don't communicate, all those other things become pressure points. And one of my favorite questions on here is, this sounds so basic, uh, best day to reach you best time, at which number, best place to leave you a voicemail. You know, how do they want to be communicated, and so how do you need to communicate to them? So, seven tips for negotiating the deal. There are lots of tips, but I thought these were pretty relevant and interesting. Don't present yourself as the person of authority. Do we get to make the decision on what a buyer and seller is to do? We can't, but if you communicate this in person, uh, if you communicate this as you have the position and then the negotiation doesn't go well, you've lost leverage and power in the situation. You have to let everyone know that this is a group decision. I've got to talk to my clients to see how they want to respond. Uh, Yeah, I know we're $1,000 apart and you want me to cut my commission. I need to talk to Alan and Reynolds about that. You know, if, if you present yourself as the authority and you make the wrong decision or it doesn't go well, that's going to hurt your relationship with your clients as well as with your cooperating brokers. Clarifying wants and needs before you list a home or present an offer. We just talked about that. But you also have to bring that up when you do get the offer or when they do want to make an offer. You've been showing them properties for a couple of months and... 
you realize you're showing them things that they want, but they're not looking at properties that they need. And so when they do finally make an offer, you get into that negotiation period, you've got to remind them about their needs and that they're, what their wants are. The old saying is what? God gave us two ears and one mouth. So listen twice as much and talk twice as less. Or really it's about 70-30 when you're negotiating. Um, and if you're a man, it's, it's 99 to 1. You listen 99% of the time and you talk 1% of the time. Right? Is that, is lightning, lightning's not going to strike me now. Okay. All right. Good. The myth about negotiators is they're, they're, they're not great talkers. They're great listeners. Um, if you learn how to ask a question and pause for five seconds, you will be amazed at how much your clients will tell you. So imagine you've been showing property all day Saturday. You're at the last house. You're about to get back in the car and leave, and you pause in the front yard, and you just ask them, hey, Jenny, um, do you want to buy this house? And you're counting in your pocket. One, two, three. Yeah, who knows? We, we really want to... Yeah, I, think, I think I want to sleep on it. Um... Okay, you want to sleep on it. And Jenny, if, that, that's great. If you go home and sleep on it, if you woke up tomorrow morning and were disappointed that this house was no longer available, sorry, if you went home and slept on it and you woke up tomorrow morning and the home was no longer available, would you be disappointed? That's a long time. But I've, if I'm going to ask a serious question to really understand her needs, wants, and position, you've got to learn how to ask those questions and pause and not say, well, I mean, it's okay, it'll probably still be available, but I'm just asking because I need to know because I, my broker wants me to know that. No, shut up. Stop talking. Just ask the question and, and sit back. But it's hard to do. But in negotiations, you, you've got to learn how to do that. Even with the other agent. If uh, Jen and I are negotiating a deal, I bring an offer on her nice new listing... You know, I've got to give her time to process what I just asked her and to give her a response. And Jared in the video did talk about this. Don't rush and be willing to walk. That's bold, but we get in such a rush. There are multiple offers. Are you willing to walk away? But deadlines add urgency. And in almost every negotiation, one party isn't willing to walk. Because they've got a deadline. I've got to be here. My, I, my, work, my job starts in 30 days. Um, my school starts in three weeks. You know, there's always one party that has a deadline. And they're not willing to walk away. So you have to make it clear to the other parties and their agents that your clients are willing to walk. And that your clients do have options. So that's hard, but knowing if you know that your clients have options, they can afford to wait. Jenny's clients can't. You know, that's an opportunity. And focus on the other side's pressure points. Every single person has something putting pressure on them. What's something in a last deal you worked on that put pressure on the transaction? 
The seller wants to move in before closing. Okay. Why did they want to move in before closing? They want to just move all their stuff, right? They're closing, on, they're selling their home before they close on the one they're purchasing. Okay. And that's, and that's, that's a common problem. Some people don't want to wait. And so, if you communicate and you understand that what these points are and that you can relieve them, if you can actually relieve that pressure point, people will always need some form of justification for making a deal. And meeting a need is one of them. If you can meet a need, they're willing to reach a deal. Just curious, what did you do in that situation, Christy? Okay. Okay. But you, by understanding what that pressure point was and their needs and wants and that, say, you know what, let me work on this. Let me see if I can find a solution. You provide a value to relieve that pain and that's created a justification and a reason to go through with the transaction. This is really interesting. And y'all have to tell me if you believe in it. Avoid suggesting a price range. I go to list Jenny's house, and she says, Reynolds, what do you think condos in this area are selling for? What do you think we should list it for? Well, the ones down the street sold between, you know, 150 and 165. You know, I think if we start in that range, um, that would be pretty safe. Great, write it up for 165. Sellers never take the lower price. They don't do that. And then the opposite is true with buyers. If, I, if I'm representing a buyer who wants to purchase Jenny's condo, I say, Reynolds, what do, what do you think we should offer? Well, you know, I looked at the comps, and this one sold for 152 and hers is a little nicer. I don't know. We should probably start between, uh, like, 150 and 160 Right, right up for 149 they, I mean, don't they do that? Why would you say, you know what? I really like you. and Let's just cut through all this BS negotiation. It's like they have negotiation clothes in their closet. They can't wait to put on and come into the real estate world. I'm like, yes, you know what? Let's offer 137. Let's go even lower. And 10,000 in closing costs. And the TVs. I want those TVs. But if you don't understand their wants and needs, it, it's hard. And I would recommend trying that. You've got to create a situation um, where you're able to suggest a number first. So, yeah, you know, Jenny, there, there's been a range, but for your unit compared to the other ones that have sold, I think we should, I think we should list it at 157. Oh, that sounds great, Reynolds. Or I'm representing a buyer so based on uh, the comps in uh, her uh, community. You know, I, I think we should start probably like 154. You know, I think that's a great initial offer. So you want to get to a price, not a price range. Follow up in a positive way. Follow up is so hard for agents. But you've just negotiated, like, 
It's like every day you wake up and you can't wait to check your email because there's something else to negotiate on this transaction. People keep changing their mind. But everyone needs to walk away feeling good about what happened. Everyone needs to feel like they've won. And so following up in a positive way, God, I love not sleeping and missing my kid's piano recital working on this deal with you, Jenny. It was awesome. It was so fun. You are great. But you've you got to be positive because you've got to be what? You've got to be likable. I mean, that, that is key in everything. I was going to play you a clip from Glengarry Glen Ross, but I watched this morning. And it's got a lot of cuss words in it, so I decided not to play it. Because we don't talk like that here at Bickerstaff Farm. But if you're patient, if you're confident, empathetic, and if you're likable, you are going to succeed at negotiating. Clients will refer you business. Uh, agents will look forward to working with you. Because you all know when it didn't go well, when you didn't reach a deal, and something happened during that negotiation period, you really don't look forward to working with that agent again. In fact, you would like to write them a letter and request that they never bring you an offer again. And that may be, that may be a letter that's warranted for that person, but it, it can't ever be one that's warranted for you. You've got to be likable by all parties, and you've got to understand how to navigate through that. So I'm going to leave you with two quotes. Henry Ford said, Coming together is a beginning. Keeping together is progress. Working together is success. We've talked a lot about collaborating, cooperation. Uh, I, I do believe that is, that is the key, especially in negotiation. It's not just to beat your agenda or idea across your clients. And then uh, General Patton said, good tactics can save even the worst strategy. Bad tactics can destroy even the best strategy. And that is so true. You can have the easiest deal, it's a layup, and the worst approach, and it just never even materializes because people don't take time. It's not what we want. It's what our clients need. And helping them understand the difference in needs and wants. Because when you do, they will make the right decisions. They will listen to your advice and they will feel like they have won. And so will the other party. And that is what success is defined as, is when everybody wins. So I'll leave y'all with that today. Appreciate y'all being here and look forward to you refining, sharpening negotiation skills. And I hope you'll take a moment to introduce yourself to Chris. Thank y'all for being here today.